we're back. It's been a while. We know that you've missed us. This is Above the Break, episode 20. My stupid title is Home Home Cooking, Code Breakers, and the Green Machines. And that has to do with all the teams left in the NBA playoffs. This is Nevin Brown, and as always, I'm joined by Canada's most famous man. (laughs) Yeah, um... I was trying to think of a Canadian celebrity, but that wasn't quick enough on my feed. James Piercy. Celine Dion. How about that? There's a lot of Celine Dion. There's a lot of Canadian celebrities. There's there's Jim Carrey. There's Drake, I guess. I love love that you went to Drew Carey. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Drew Carey. Oh, Jim Carrey. Right. I think Drew Carey's from Cleveland, which is like, you know, the Canada of America. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. I don't know who should I apologize to. Cleveland or Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry for that. All right. So this episode, we're going to be talking all about the NBA playoffs. But before that, we got to go over some news, some awards, some NBA Dragon Balls have been handed out um, because that's what the new trophies look like. Dragon Balls. Um, If you're a fan of the anime or manga. Also, we have mailbag questions because... If you give us questions and they directly get to us, I can at this point in our podcast history pretty much guarantee they will be answered. So yeah, we're, we're, we're not in any position to turn anybody down. So. Exactly. Beggars can't be choosers. Send us bad questions. And as long as it's not too bad, we'll it answer. It would have to be pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> it would have to be pretty bad. That's true. Like the, the bar is very, very, very low. You know, we're like, we're like Kings fans out here. Like 45 wins is a championship parade. All right, James, let's get to the news. First bit of news. Monty Williams, coach of the year. I think you picked him. Didn't you pick him to win it? Man, I can't remember at this point. I know he was one of my candidates, but I'm not sure. I kind of think so. It's a good choice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he's been great. Do you feel like this award he won it slightly, slightly just because he didn't win it last year, and people looked back and they're like, "We we dropped the ball," but don't worry, they won sixty four games, and so we can give it to him this year. You you could make that case at the same time, like if you just want to simplify the criteria, um, they were the best team in the league, and they don't have a top ten player. That, that's that's pretty much like auto coach of the year, isn't it? You know, it should be. Yeah. You know, like it should be like, granted, like, I guess you could like, the, there could be the situation where it's like, they don't have the top 10 player, but they have 11 through 15. <laughs> best player yeah, true. But that's never going to happen. Right. Like, no. um, but yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point. Also, it's just, they've like, whenever they had any adversity this season, it's just like everything kept humming. It didn't matter. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton was out for stretches. It didn't matter. I mean, like maybe right. the reality is it's just Mikel Bridges is the greatest glue guy ever because he doesn't miss any fucking time ever, and they just keep they keep going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course that's that's part of it, but you're right. Like they 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 dealt with a fair share of injuries to be the best team in the league this year. Yeah, uh, I think it's a great choice. It wouldn't have been my choice, but like part of me is I like to reward coach of the year to teams that are like not expected to be really good. Um, right. Mainly just because I, I like, I want like, is I want awards to be less concentrated. 
among just the best teams because they tend to get, you know, the all NBA, the MVPs, all that stuff. And so, you know, you know, the Suns might win a championship and, you know, have coach of the year. Granted, this is, we'll finish on this. Do you think if like Devin Booker had won MVP, Monty Williams would have gotten coach of the year? No, maybe not, but you couldn't give MVP to Devin Booker, right? Like it's, yeah. and that's, that's, you know, that's why Monty Williams won coach of the year in part, because they didn't have a MVP candidate. All right. Speaking of MVP candidates, this guy isn't an MVP candidate per Adrian Bojanowski, you know, breaking the news before it's been technically released. Nikola Jokic won his second consecutive MVP and it sent certain segments of NBA Twitter into the, I, my eye test, which I saw a great tweet where guy was like, look, all, all the eye test people just admit you didn't watch Jokic play. Because that to me fundamentally is the eye test guys. I go, Hey man, if you're going to be the eye test guy, how many NBA games did you watch this year? Cause like, I feel like I watch a lot of NBA. Right. And I can tell you, I couldn't make a decision on MVP credibly based upon the eye test just because nobody could. Yeah. Like, unless you're like Zach Lowe or like a guy who's like literal full-time job where you get paid enough to send your kid to college. No one's like coming close to watching every NBA game. Yeah, that's right. Dude, there's so many things wrong with it. Like, <clears throat> did you see uh ball? Don't stop posted. I know. I, you know, I you know. I got to bring him up. You he, got he, he, he posted a uh, fake. What was it? Fake analytics robbed Joel Embiid of an MVP award. Like what? Sorry, they're real analytics, right? Like what? What do you think is fake about them? You think that somebody's fabricating the numbers? The the other point I would make, man, is okay. You want to go eye test? Nikola Jokic is clearly one of the best players in the league. He he makes passes that like nobody else has almost ever made. Like he he might he might be the best passer ever. He he he's top five, and it's like. Yeah. So what do you think he's just getting all these stats? All, all the miscellaneous <laughs> compound metrics indicate that he's the most impactful player in the league, but it's like it's just some kind of ruse. Like like wh- how would that work itself out, you know? Yeah, it was like I think someone posted they're like the the like he fucking won because of the analytics. It's like he's the first dude in NBA history to finish a season top 10 in points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game and field goal percentage. Like listen man it's, Stop it's throwing you crazy metrics at me. These advanced stats, like points per game and assists per game. I, I, I'm not a math guy, man. You know, I'm, I'm about the eye test. Yeah. The thing that I just always struggle with, I'm just like, he does all the things we talk about that make a player great. He can get to his spot and hit his shot at that spot whenever he wants. He makes his teammates better. And like, I, the, the thing I fundamentally can't stand is the whole, well, he's not playing in the playoffs right now. I'm like, oh. yeah, but part of his MVP candidacy was the fact that anyone that's pseudo reasonable looking at that Nuggets roster outside of him, you would say, how is this team going to win 48 games? And you'd say, well, they probably need the best player in the league to win 48 games. And that's what they did. That's and, they're what act- they had. and they're acting like Yoke, uh, not, not Jokic, excuse me, Embiid, like, won 75 games and got robbed the, the Sixers fucking won 51 games. Three more games the Bucks won 51 games like yeah and let me say this 
And we're probably spending too much time, but that's okay. I, I actually think Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in the league, personally. Like that, that's 100%. my pick for best. Right. But, you know, I think we just can't give the same guy MVP every season, right, is one thing. Like, he's reached that status where it's like, well, realistically, he'd win it every year. Like, LeBron should have probably won it for the first decade of his career, right? From, from year two to year 12. So you, you but, know my feeling on this. It's like, if you're the best player in the world – and your team's competing for championships, you're not necessarily going to be in the MVP discussion just because like Jokic had to be MVP for them to win 48 games. It's like Giannis doesn't have to be MVP for them to win 51. It doesn't mean Jokic is better than Giannis. It just means this team literally had to ask him to do the so heavy fucking lifting during the season, you know? And the last thing I want to say is this, man. Like if you think it should have been Embiid, I disagree, but fair enough. If you think it should have been Giannis, I think you have a stronger case, but I still would have picked Jokic. But, like, this this uh, discourse that's out there, like, he was robbed. It's outrageous and egregious. Like, come on, man. You've got to admit he was one of the very best players in the league. Like, even if you think it was wrong, you're being an idiot if you think it was, like, that wrong. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The, the, the My final parting is on this is just when people are, like, saying he shouldn't have won it, they're like, I mean, he had an incredible season and like all the numbers indicate that he probably should have won this award, but I'm going to bring up how good his teammates were as the reason why he doesn't deserve this individual award. I'm like, guys, we can go back in the history of MVP voting for a long time was basically best player on best team. And it's the voting patterns are changing because we're just fucking not as stupid as we used to be. Like, and in baseball, the guy who used to win the Cy Young, the best pitcher in the league award, was the guy who like finished with the most wins. It was like the best way to predict it. Now, wins don't matter because you know what people realized? Wins are a really stupid fucking pitcher stat. ERA is a little bit better. Strikeouts a little bit better. It's just like the way we're voting is changing and evolving with being smarter and having more information. And like, look, Giannis is better than Jokic. But Giannis didn't have to be better than Jokic during the regular season. And that's what the award yeah. indicates, right? Like That's all. Let, and let's, fucking let's Embiid, and the Embiid people, you get the fuck out. He, he clearly did not deserve it. No, I mean, I think he's the third best player in the league, and that's incredible. Yeah, because there's two yeah. historic players, like two historic players having historic yeah. fucking seasons right now. Okay, final bit of news. The Sacramento Kings got another interim Golden State Warriors head coach. Mike Brown has been signed as the new Kings head coach. He'll take over after the playoffs because he's currently an assistant for the Golden State Warriors. But just because the Warriors are like that, Steve Kerr said, oh, yeah, test positive for COVID. Mike Brown, you're the head coach of the Golden State Warriors. (laughs) So congratulations, Mike Brown, for becoming the new head coach of two different teams in like a two-day span. I don't know if anyone's ever done that before. It's probably the first time in history. That's funny. Like, ESPN stats and info, I know you're listening to this. Go look this up. Has anyone actually been named the head coach of two different teams in, like, a four-day span? Yeah, I'd say almost definitely not. This this is a good hire, hey? We we agree on that. Like, it's like the the, the Kings did something that wasn't moronic. Yeah, I mean, look, here's the thing with head coaches. Like, they're all good. And if you give them the right players, they'll be fine. And if you don't give them the right players, they're idiots. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, he's got a four-year deal over under two and a half seasons. 
Mm. Ooh, that's <laughs> tough. Yeah, that's tough. I think I might take I might take the under, but it's it's right there. You know, it's it's right. He's made a great heart. You think this guy's lasting half the contract, maybe a bit more? No. <laughs> I, I don't have a lot of faith in in the Sabonis Fox pairing. I'm not really sure there's a head coach that can make that work. I think it's a bad pairing. Two good players, but I th- th- they have flaws that are kind of like not compatible, can, and I just don't they, think it's gonna work. Their flaws kind of compound each other. It's like, oh, you don't yeah. defend, you don't defend. Let's go. You don't shoot threes. You don't shoot threes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Let's. Those. That's our super. That's our superstar pairing. Yeah, and it's the fact of like I, I really see Sabonis as a half court player. Like he like he's a passing hub in the in the on the block, and he's the type of guy that you want to kind of grind it down and get on the ball and let him work. And then Fox is like more of a transition weapon. So I I, I just don't think that it's a very good. In addition to the points that you made. It's well, yeah, a, I don't think Mike Brown could do much about it. Yeah, but I, I, mean, like the, I like the hiring. I like the hire too. Maybe Fox will just be they'll be like, you push the pace. If we can't push the pace, run it through Sabonis. We every team should win every single game according to fans. If the coach just made certain correct decisions throughout the course of the season and game. All right, Mike Brown, congratulations. My last name is Brown as well, so you know the fam keeping the family name strong. There's a lot of us Browns out there. Okay, mailbag oh, yeah. time. <laughs> mailbag time. All right, the mailbag brought to you by Carl Malone. Um, no, yeah, no, not him. He's no. he's not technically he is a pedophile uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyways whatever unpopular so, nba facts yes so first question is from my brother merrick and i like this question because it's an interesting question he asked me james he goes are the Bucks above average at developing role players? Now he's a Bucks fan, so that's kind of what he's watching the league through. But I will say the Bucks have had a fair share of role players be incredibly successful over the last few seasons. I would say you look at like Brooke Lopez going from being, you know, a focal point on offense and a mediocre defensive player to being an elite rim protector slash floor spacer. No one saw that coming, so they they were able to squeeze that out of him. Pat Connaughton's been really good. Grayson Allen's been really good. Bobby Portis, another role player who's been really good. Um, I'm trying to think of anyone else. Oh, um, Wesley Matthews has been good at times. Granted, he was a max quality-ish player before uh, an Achilles role player, yeah. Yeah, before an Achilles injury. But like you know, he's he's had some of his best role player seasons there in Milwaukee. And so, James, what do you think? Do you think the Bucks have like some secret sauce to this, or is this just, you know, playing next I, to Giannis I, is nice? Yeah, I think <laughs> it's more a matter of a few different factors. Like, first of all, they're not bad at developing role players. That's yeah. obvious, right? Yeah. yeah. But I, I think that there's a combination of things going on. First of all, yeah, I mean, Giannis pretty much is a one-man system. So, like, you could just put guys in it and it'll work right like brooke lopez uh you know he expanded his range from the mid-range to the three-point line that's all it really took for him to be a perfect compliment to Giannis, right i i I think also personally i really like mike budenhoser i think he's a good coach for a while there he was getting underrated then they won a championship 
Yeah, right. And then now everybody agrees that he's a good coach. He's always been a good coach. And he, he, he's he got a good system. It's, it's kind of, it reminds me of D'Antoni in the way that it's like a simplified system that caters to players' strengths, but it's a little more versatile than, than D'Antoni's. So I, th- I think it's a good environment for role players to thrive in. I think they also target good role players and, and maybe enhance them a little bit, right? But like, for example, Grayson Allen was a really good acquisition. Like, we pretty much knew that he was going to be what he is for them. You could say the same about Wes Matthews, right? So I think maybe they, they have a tendency, like when I think of like really exceptional developmental teams, the first team I probably think of right now is the Raptors, you know, who seem to perpetually just like have undrafted slash G leaguers slash like late first round, early second rounders who just develop into really strong rotation players. And like, I don't quite see that kind of program with the Bucks. But they're a good developmental team. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think the big thing with role players is are they in a role that they can be successful in? And when you have a guy like Giannis and you have a guy like Drew Holiday and you have a guy like Chris Middleton, it really allows your role players to, I think, shine and be in positions where they're going to be successful on offense and on defense. Right. And the reason being is that those are all two way guys. And while Middleton's defense isn't as good as it used to be, and probably was kind of overrated for a period of time because the Bucks overall defense was so good. He's not a, he's not a zero. No. Or if he is a zero, it's because he's like league average at defense, which for a guy who can shoot as well as he does is like very rare. And so what that means is a lot of role players are actually asked to be very good at something to compensate for the, the the team's best players deficiencies, right? Like Brooke Lopez, you're like, Oh yeah, he's a great rim protector. Yeah. He's a great rim protector. If you're just like go drop and stand in front of the rim and put your fucking arms up. But if you ask him to move around and do all sorts of stuff and like, you know, got yeah. guard guys on his own and be like the, like a Rudy Gobert rim protector, he's not going to be as good. So like Giannis allows him to do what he's good at Pat Connaughton and Grayson Allen are going to get a ton of open looks, but also like they don't have to always take on like a defensive matchup where they're going to get, you know, like my favorite saying, but fucked on national TV because Drew Holiday can, can be the guy that, you know, you put out there. So I think the bucks, and this is the, the beauty of having two way stars is that it means pretty much you can fit anyone in there and play them to their strengths. And like, that's what the Bucks have is they have stars that allow them to maximize their role players. And it's one of those things where it's like, while well, you look at um, some teams, like for instance, like the Hawks where like your role players need to essentially make up for the fact that Trey young can't play defense. Or if you're the jazz, it's like you need your role players to make up for the fact that, Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell have like deficiencies somewhere. And I think the Bucs just don't ask their role players to really have to make up for deficiencies. They're just like, do these things well, because we have we're strong everywhere because of our stars. Yeah, they just need to be able to shoot, basically. You're right. It's like <laughs> it's so true. It's like yeah. it's like, you know, like LeBron for so many years. It's like, oh, you can shoot. Yeah, you'll be like highly effective next to this dude. Yeah, that's right. If you can't defend, that's okay because LeBron can defend for two men, you know. Uh, we don't need any playmaking because we've got the whole system in one guy. Yeah, no, you're right. Exactly. It's like, like, uh, a role player's ideal, uh, home is with a team who has a star 
who is weak at what that role player is good at. And for them, it's just like there's a mathematical equation in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, oh, three point shooting, perfect. Okay, this is another mailbag question. Marek, I hope we answered that question for you. I hope you were enlightened to some degree. I don't know, like, you know, maybe <laughs> that's what you already thought and it's just confirmation bias and you're like, listen to this, you're going, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the best, you know. That's the best. When someone's like, oh, this dude's spitting. He's saying what I would say up there. And then when you actually start yeah. learning stuff, you're like, I hate this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Life. Uh, so this is from one of... Uh, Marek's friends who is a jazz fan I don't know their name but uh Marek's friend that is a jazz fan sorry um well also not really sorry I'm a fucking Wizards fan like what you've got to experience the last few seasons and probably throughout your life far exceed what my basketball fandom has ever experienced so actually fuck as, you, a, as a Rockets fan though I definitely owe an apology because we uh we own you on, on a yearly basis up until the last two years so yeah, take that. So you just wanted to know about the Gobert versus Shaq debate where I, I don't know how this really started, but Shaq was like, I would dominate Rudy Gobert. And Rudy Gobert was like, I would lock Shaq's ass up. And I actually think this is a pretty interesting question is who, like, you know, who do we think wins? Now, before we get into that, what Shaq are we getting? Because Rudy Gobert has been a pretty consistent player throughout his career in prime. Shaq, though, his body changed tremendously. Are we talking about young Shaq that, like, was skinny? Or not skinny, but lean and could run and move and was just a freak of nature? Orlando Magic Shaq? Or are we talking about Lakers, like, three-peat Shaq, who was, like, I don't know the best way. It's like, he was thick, but, like, that might even be underselling it. He was oh, it's definitely underselling it. Yeah. He was a he was a man mountain. And yeah. so what what Shaq is Gobert gonna fight? Let's assume Lakers Shaq, because I see that as prime Shaq, right? The, the, the three P, the MVP, you know, that was all man mountain Shaq. So I I I think that's like the, to me the hypothetical demands that you you take the best Shaq and I think that was the best Shaq. Well, would that be the best Shaq in this era? Because that's kind of where I was going with this. I think Orlando Shaq would be the best Shaq in this era. You know, it's really tough, man. So like, it's like first year Laker, like 96, 96 Shaq, where he was like started well, getting bigger. We're digressing, but I'm going to be honest. If you took MVP Shaq, you know, like, like peak big boy Lakers Shaq and dropped him into this era – I got a feeling he's still going to dominate, man. Like, I understand that teams don't tend to run it through the low block, but this guy is seven foot one, like 320 pounds, and like agile as hell given his size, you know? And like okay. and footwork and, and, and an array of low post moves. Like, I think he, I've said this before, I think he'd be the exception. I think the only difference is that you'd space around him, right? So it's four out spacing. And he would be more inclined to kick out to shooters. I think he might average more like like 27 points and six assists versus like 30 points and four assists, you know? But I still yeah. think he'd be a force. Actually, my concern with him at that size would be on the defensive end. Um, but since this is Shaq offense versus Gobert exactly. defense, Yeah, that's a whole other question. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so now that we have that parsed out, who do you think wins in this? And by wins, it's really hard to say because offense always beats defense in the NBA. So, yeah. you know, who do you think 
how do you think this plays out? Let's 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 answer how we think it plays out, and then we'll figure out if that's a W for someone. Like I think to me, it's almost half obvious. I I think that Shaq would still be able to dummy Rudy Gobert like he dummied everybody, but Gobert would be one of the better centers in the league at like at least trying to limit him. You know, like like what is it that Gobert would do differently from Dikembe Mutombo, who wasn't able to just stop Shaq? You know, like there was no stopping Shaq. I, I fundamentally think centers today are significantly better than they were back then in terms of like their ability to move in space and all of that stuff. And like, I also think like Gobert physically, if we were to see him next to like Matumbo, we'd go, oh shit, like Gobert is like, like another evolution of like humanity in terms of like rim protection. Like, I think he's just as tall and, and longer. So that would be not as that's, strong though. Yeah, that's true. But once again, we, it's one of these things where we go, oh, he wasn't as strong. I just legitimately think people sucked ass at sports in the nineties, like wow. com- yeah. comparatively, no, comparatively to today. I mean, come on, we have 20 guys used to tear their Achilles and their career was fucking done. Yeah. Now they're coming back. Like I, I, I really think that we underrate how much better people are at sports that matter today than they were 20 years ago. That that may be the case. I feel what you're saying. I still, I suspect that Shaq's still able to go out there and get 30 and 10 on, on, on Gobert. All right, you know, what's the field I, goal I percentage? Think... What's the field goal percentage? Because that's, I think, what really matters. Because, you know, you can it get 30 from... points on volume. Of course, it varies. But I, I would say 50%, man. You know, I, I really think 55%. I think Shaq can go out there and not every game, but I, I, I like... I think that you saw something with Shaq that was so singular, you know, that, that, that you, that, I don't think there's ever been any player at any point in history who just would like, Oh, well Shaq wouldn't be able to get a bucket on this guy. Like this guy would lock Shaq up. Like, I don't think so, man. This is the strongest human to ever play the game. And he was mobile and agile and he had moves and, and footwork and fundamentals. Like I, you know, I just, I don't see it. Yeah. I think, I think Shaq would, I don't think he would dominate Gobert. I think he would have to work really hard for his points. And I think he'd be able to get his points. I do think his efficiency would drop off a fair amount just because I don't think he dealt with guys with the same length that Gobert presents on a consistent basis. And I do think this is like the the hidden secret though. I think Gobert would give Shaq fucking tons of problems on offense. Like I think Gobert, the way he's utilized today, and like this, like this, you know, spread out, you know, pick and roll. Yeah. I think Shaq would fucking struggle like hell to deal with that, and I don't think he can get up vertically the way Gobert can right now. I mean, I think young Shaq maybe could have, but like you know, peak Shaq, he was like if you watch highlights, like he's not getting above the rim in the way that like he used to. He's just so big and strong that like he just jump through you and get there no matter what. But I do think he would struggle a bit defending Gobert, but no one, no one fucking even thinks people are like, Gobert can't do anything. And I'm just like, well, in a spread out pick and roll system, he's pretty fucking good. And I think Shaq would really struggle there. That's probably true. The question of how Lakers Shaq would fare on defense 
it's a separate question. It's outside yeah. of the, the, this, yeah. the frame of the conversation, but it, it is a good question though. I, I, it's, it's a fair point. Probably he, he never evolves his body the way he did in, in the modern yeah. day. He would just stick with being Orlando Shaq. Yeah. 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 All right. like, sorry, but it, it'd be pretty surprising if Giannis just put on 30 pounds instead of working on the low block, wouldn't it? Like I, I, I don't see it happening. Dude, he really likes Oreos. So, you know, that, that could be, that could be Who like, knows? you know, late stage, you know, Giannis could be, you know, not looking so, not looking so, greek godlike <laughs> final part on this is if the jazz do trade gobert how much what do you think they're getting back for him i i wrote an article about this and i said he's essentially i think worth like you know two pretty valuable first round picks plus salary filler um so obviously if like you know you get a good player back in the salary filler you might just be like one first round pick i just think the length of the deal and his age and the size of it you're not going to get a ton of value back if you're the yeah. jazz because one the team has to send you 40 million worth of players anyways and you know like that's real talent well let me tell you what my favorite situation is i think um first of all the jazz you know they've really historically operated the way that a lot of small market teams do they might not want they might not be as interested in draft capital as, as like you know your average team would be uh, they, they, they might prefer to get back some talent you know um, they might just try to pivot, right? They, they, they might be less likely to bottom out than, than I would if I was a general manager. So I think a pretty fair deal if the Warriors are, say, to not win the championship this year, because if they do, they're not going to do this, would be um, Gobert and Royce O'Neal for Andrew Wiggins and James Wiseman. That answers, that, that's my answer as to roughly what kind of value I would expect. I think you would have to, if you're the Warriors, still throw in a pick at the very least, just because Weissman literally has been so fucking bad and has had yeah. the knee That's injury. Fair. I mean, where you're like, you know, because you're you're basically like, oh, so we're taking out like Andrew Wiggins for Gobert and this dude who like might actually just be a massive bust. Um, like obviously yeah, he has potential, right. but it's just, he hasn't played much and the, the injury concerns are real and he's like not even 21. The, the trick of that too is I think, uh, like they're not doing Kaminga, right? They can get better value for, for Kaminga realistically. I love Gobert, but Kaminga is like a pretty top end trade chip, right? You're, you're, you're probably thinking about guys like Carl Anthony Towns. Well, not that he's going to be available, but you think Kaminga and Wiggins would be a fair deal if there's no draft capital attached to it. I don't, I, I don't think it's a great trade for golden state, to be honest. I think they would rather hold out to get something even better for Kuminga. I, I would, I agree on that line. I'm just saying in terms of like, in, we're basically saying like in a vacuum, no other deals can happen. Like, would that be a fair deal in terms of value? Okay. Yeah. I think it's not horrible value. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind, that's kind of how I feel too. It's like, you know, if you get like one really high end, but you know, unproven young player, plus like, you know, kind of a shitty contract. I think that's worth it if you're the Jazz because at Mitchell's age, you can afford to take a step back one year and be like, we're taking a step back this one year, Donovan, don't worry. We're going to get the fuck off of Conley's deal. We're going to get some younger, better guys, build the team around you, and then we'll have cap space and be able to go get someone and this team will be built around you. Um, so, yeah, the Jazz are in a situation where I think if they trade – uh, Mitchell, they should just trade Gobert and blow it all up because I agree. I completely agree. Yeah. But if you trade Gobert, I think if you can talk with Mitchell and have him understand, like, we're going to take one step back 
for this first year and then really push everything in when you're like 27, still in your prime locked in, we have all this cap space and we'll have like, you know, picks and younger players and better players perhaps around you. If he's okay with that, then I think you do that. But um, that's, that's something they need to figure out is basically just what does Donovan Mitchell want? Because he's the guy driving the bus for the franchise, mainly because of it, mainly because of age. Yeah. Big time. And, and it's worth noting that rumors seem to pretty heavily suggest that he would just like to play in a bigger market. I even saw a headline today. I, I meant to send it to you uh, that the heat and the Hawks are two landing spots that he's apparently interested in. That was from NBA central. So I would love him to go play in Atlanta just so I can be the, yeah. So defense actually matters from, from guards. People. Dude, they'll be the best offensive and worst defensive backcourt in the league, probably. Yeah, it'd just be it, it would literally just be like the Trailblazers. It, it would be great. Yeah, it, it would. would. Yeah, that's right. It yeah. Would be like, yo, this this can work. This can work. This can work. No, it can't work. It won't it, work. No. It won't work. It never will work. Uh <laughs> anyways, let's, let's get fly through the playoff season. We record this podcast on Tuesday, May 10th, before the news that John ja Morant was going to be likely out for the rest of the playoffs with a bone bruise in his knee, and obviously before the Heat and Sixers played and before the Suns and Mavericks played. Still, enjoy! Yeah, let's go through these playoff series. All right, this is the home in the ways. Because these are the two series where home teams won, road teams lost. And that's why it's 2 2. All right, let's kick this off with the Sixers versus the Heat. I'm not going to lie. The Heat really fucked up in this series. They really fucked up. They could have, they, they should be up 3 1. They got the gift of no Joel Embiid in games uh, one and two, which they, they won. And Bede comes back and doesn't look great. Like, there's a lot of people that were pushing his MVP stuff or like, look how like just him showing up and having a shitty game just made the team better. I'm like, cool. Yeah, great take. Great take. Look how when this guy's not playing well, it helps the team win. Yeah. yeah. That's why he's the MVP. Okay. The whatever. Inference, the inference is that he's magic, that he has some kind of a magic <laughs> impact, right? On the game. It's like, it's like just by being there. Just by showing up, he makes everyone else better. Um Sixers won game three by 20. The Heat scored 79 points. Game four, Jimmy Butler drops 40, and no one else can do anything. This is my question. Is this a seven-game series? Yeah, probably, probably. Well, one thing that I think I'm noticing from I've, I've watched uh, like two and a half games of the series, basically. Um, I feel as if, and one of those was the 79 point game, so maybe my view of it is a little bit biased, right? But it strikes me that I was worried about the Heat spacing heading into the season, and they were the top seed, so like I guess I was in essence wrong. But the, they're looking like the spacing is pretty pretty lackluster compared to Phillies, man. Like Phillies got uh way more shooters especially with tobias knocking shots down which i believe is the trend that's held through the series right yes so tobias harris is no it's not actually he's shot he's shooting 27 percent on threes but he's shooting 51 
0.7, so 52% on all shots. So like his threes aren't falling, but everything else he's been yeah, okay, super that's efficient on. But he's still, he's still a threat. Like he still, he still draws defensive attention to an extent. There's some like, gravity. Yeah. There's some There's gravity. That. Yeah. Like I, I just think, um, it might be a little problematic to pair Bam Adebayo with, with Jimmy Butler, man. We'll see if they can turn around. Right now, I'm kind of liking Philly in this one. What do you think? I'm liking Miami, and I think this is going to be a seven-game series with the home team wins every single game. If I told you over the first four games the Heat shot 28.5% from three-point range, what do you think those the, the, the wins would have been for? Yeah, I mean, of course, you'd expect Philly to be up like three one or really to have won the series yeah yeah, to like swept right and so it's two two and that to me is just the big thing is it's like look like can philly keep shooting 35 percent from three yeah but can we expect the heat to shoot under 30 percent from three and it's like for instance like we talk about bam Adebayo and butler not being you know good three-point shooters but it's not like they take a fuckload of threes right they're not like you know that stage of Russell Westbrook's career where he's like, I'm getting up eight threes a game. It's like, Russ, you're shooting 28%. Do not get up eight threes a game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, the concern with them is like, they just don't take threes because they don't hit them. But so that to me is really all this. That's what I see this being is a series where it's like, oh, like every game, the three-point shooting is going to swing it. And I just have this feeling that when guys are at home, the three-point shooting is going to be a bit better. And that's why they win. And it but, seems I mean, super reductive. Sense. Doesn't it make sense that that yeah, but it all is at the end of the day. But like, doesn't it make sense that the Heat have bad spacing and are shooting poorly? Like to me, like like it's a bit of an Occam's Razor scenario where I'm just like the simplest explanation is the right one. Like they're a poor three point shooting team. They're they're not a great three point shooting team, but they have good three point shooters like Tyler. Well, Hero, been, yeah, they do. He, he's do. been at forty four percent. Max Struess, who's a good three point shooter, is at thirty one percent. Uh, PJ Tucker has been at 42%, uh, hasn't taken many. Uh, Oladipo's at 31, probably slightly better. Um, but yeah, we but don't not know because, yeah. Um, Butler's at 27, that's about where he should be at. You know, the, the big thing for me is like Kyle Lowry's injury is huge because like he's yes, someone where yeah. like he's, he's playing on one leg and, you know, that might just be what this series comes down to is that like that injury ended up being more costly than Embiid missing the first two games, but they look Duncan Robinson has played one minute in this series. You're shooting under 30% from three point range at a certain point. You just got to say fuck defense at that expense. Yeah. Because yeah, it's, it's like, like just, just getting yourself out of the game and he's such a great shooter. You're right. Yeah. Cause the thing is like, yeah, put him out there for five minutes. If the shot's not falling, do what you were doing before and not play him. But if he goes out there for five minutes, he takes three threes and he goes two for three. Just see if you can't ride that because I'm sorry. He's, he's the only guy on this team outside of, you know, hero who you want to do more actual creation Um, outside of him and Struess. There's like no one else on this team that you can like, you know, cross your fingers for and hope for like, yeah, that guy just went off and went like seven of 10 from three point range. And that was the difference in the game. Like he is one of those two guys. It hasn't been Struess. Like, I, like he's big enough that like, I don't even care if they target him. At least he's got long arms and you're supposed to have these other great defenders, but right. maybe, maybe the calculus changes with Kyle Lowry basically being on one leg and you're just like, he's actually not a defensive plus. So we're, we're down to just, you know, Jimmy and Bam on defense if we have Duncan out there with some of these other guys. 
That's right. That's right. We should move on, but I want to say this. I, I, I think tonight will determine it. Like, I, I suspect they won't give Robinson a whole lot more spin tonight, but if they lose tonight, they're going to absolutely have to, to switch up the formula, and that'll probably involve uh, playing Duncan Robinson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess before we leave this very quickly, your favorite player, James Harden. He had a great game. Uh, he went six to 10 from three point range and people are saying he's back. Um, no, like I kind of feel like this is what he's been. It's if his three point shot is falling, he looks fine. But if it's not, he looks like what he's been in the other games where his three hasn't fallen, where you're like, what happened to James Harden? Who's this imposter? Is it just another guy with a big beard? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you know, the, the court vision is never going anywhere, like the playmaking ability, right? And so the three-point shooting is now the swing skill, whereas before he, he could get to the rack and, and, and draw fouls and, and finish layups at will. He doesn't really have that anymore. So now he needs to be a knockdown three-point shooter or else he's not going to be a star-level performer, basically. Uh, yeah. And, you know, age happens. Um, injuries happen. It does. Let's tell, move. You're telling me, man. Yes. We're both, we're both getting close to death. Um, let's move off of that series and go to one of the other 2-2 series. Dallas versus Phoenix. Suns versus Mavericks. Knotted at 2-2. Home teams, just like the other one, won both games. After the first two games, I, 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 picked, I picked the Mavericks to win this series. The, the Suns won the first two games, and I thought to myself, I said, Nevin, James is going to make fun of you for that pick. <laughs> and then Luka Doncic and the rest of the Dallas Mavericks, um, who do deserve their props, and we'll get to them, won the next two games. So I'm feeling I'm feeling better about that pick because even if I end up being wrong, it wasn't like you fucking fool. <laughs> they got no, swept. Point, it's too late to be you fucking fool at this point. Like it, it already looks decent. So this series, if you want to talk about firepower. You want to hear the two teams' offensive ratings through the, the first four games? Please. Dallas is at 117.6. Would have been the best in the league. Doing it, you know, four games against Phoenix, one of the best defenses in the league. Not bad. Phoenix is at 119.7. <laughs> I know. And Dallas yeah, had a really nah. good defense. This, this has been one of the highest quality series um, in terms of his offense. It might be the best one thus far. <sighs> I don't know how to predict this because it's knotted at 2-2 and you, Luka Doncic can win two of three. Yeah. Yeah, he can. <laughs> and, you yeah, know, I, think I, I think I'm going to stick with Phoenix, man. Uh, they were just, yeah. to me, I just look at it and I'm like, they were so dominant over the regular season that like, how could they have lost that much juice to the point that they can't knock out the Mavs now, you know, like it's possible. Uh, Luke is going to have to be very magical for, for, uh, for the stretch for, for the Mavs to come away with it. Like, uh, I just think the Suns are a better team. You know, there's no real deep reason. They're both great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will say this, the Suns shooting over the first two games was so astronomically good that like they they actually shot kind of poorly the next two games and over and they're still shooting for the series 51 on from the field and 43% from three point range which is just fucking nuts um man this 
I, I do wonder one thing about this series, though, is can the Mavericks get more out of Brunson and Dinwiddie over these last three games? Because when they get something from them, Luca's like, you know, a bad game from Luca's like 30 points and like eight assists, right? Like if you just get something from one of those two guys, I feel like that matches the Paul and Booker matchup. Right. Or at least, yeah, like gets closer to matching it. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, cause I think Luke is clearly the best player in the series. Of course he is. Yeah, definitely. But I, I, I do think that when you say that it, it points back to, to me, it's just like these guys are, they're, they're leaning on Spencer Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson to beat the best team in the league. You know, like it just, it just sounds a little far fetched. It's like uh, Brunson <laughs> probably could be the third best player on a contender. He could definitely be the fourth fourth best player yeah, contender definitely yeah fourth best player. he'll yeah. never he'll never be on a contender in my in my opinion no because, well, well, he's, sixth man well that's the thing is that like he's he's priced himself out of being able to get paid yeah. in line with that like he's gonna be one of these guys where it's like i'm not taking a discount it's like that's cool and i get that do that but like he's the type of player where if he doesn't take a discount he's not going to be on a winning team because if you're paying him 25 million a season you're just not going to be that good of a team. Nobody's going to pay him 25, are they? 20 probably. Which still, your point still stands though. Your point, even if they pay him 20, your point still stands. Yeah. I, I at 20, I think he might get 25. He had a really good season, right? Like, yeah, but we both know he's not worth 25. Why would an NBA team? You might be right. You might because teams do it. Because dude, so. there's cap space. You have cap space, and you have to you have to spend it, and you you need to tell your fans that you're not trying to get Victor Wambignana. <laughs> Um, and that's that's really what it is yeah, yeah I, um i mean come on he, he averaged 16 and a half points per game almost five assists uh 37 from three-point range 54 percent on two-pointers like this guy's a real he's like a real second option on a pretty good team it sounds like sounds like what to me what you're describing is a 20 million really an 18 million a year player in my opinion yes but it's all about who has the money. Yeah, when yeah, you're up for it, and, and I the, think the next the next are going to give them twenty five. Basically, the Knicks wish they were that dumb. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, this series. Do you think it goes seven? This, it's got a good chance to. I don't know. Something tells me that Phoenix are going to take care of business a little more quickly than that. Actually, you're going to win the next two. Yeah, I kind of. That's. I, I'm going to. I'm going to make that a prediction. But it's not a confident prediction. But I would say, yeah, I think Phoenix will win the next two. You think it's going to go seven? I think it's got to go seven. And if it goes seven, it's a toss up. I'm going to stick with the Mavericks because they showed that they have the heart of a champion. Um, Never underestimate it. Yeah. No, I mean, look, like I got to stick with my guns. It's two, two, like, why not? Um, but you're right. Oh, yeah. the, the Phoenix is definitely the better team. And I think you just, you said it best when it's like being counting on Jalen Brunson or Spencer Dinwiddie to beat the best team in the league. Does sound a bit far fetched, but you know when Luca drops fucking fifty tonight and they have won three straight games, it's gonna be it's gonna be good. Let's talk about the unofficial NBA Finals. Yes, this is the real NBA Finals. Sorry to the whatever real NBA Finals actually ends up being, but Celtics versus Bucks to me is the is is James's favorite series because Al Horford literally he didn't even yeah. turn back the hands of time. Like he wasn't ever this good. <laughs> No, he, he, no he, he can't say turn back the clock. It's like he, it's like people, he, 
He, uh, he must be on steroids, man. I mean, Dude. exactly. No, like that's the thing. It's like they, there's people keep saying, "Oh, like Al Horford turning back the clock to his Florida days." I'm like, "Dude, Al Horford has never been this fucking good in his life." I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna read you his 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 stats over the first four games against a team that's been the best playoff defense, right? Like the the fucking Bucks have been the best playoff defense. They have Giannis. They have fucking Brooke Lopez. And Al Horford's out here averaging. 18 and 0.8. So basically 19 points, 11 boards, three and a half assists, 55% from the field, 50% from three point range. He's got six blocks. He's only got four turnovers. I mean, this dude is just, he's literally putting in like, he's like putting in like if Tim Duncan was a modern day player, peak performance. <laughs> like it's, it's insane. It's insane. Um, Did you know that his contract has built in incentives? Hey, like the, like the further, they advance the more he gets paid. I can't remember the exact details, but it's, it's pretty significant. Oh, so, so, I mean, so that's the way that's the way forward. Be like, hey, you know, every round we advance, you get a million dollars. And it's like he's out here, he's like, dude, I'm this game's for a million dollars. Like, yeah, like there's every contract should be built that way when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, just don't actually pay people, just you know, pay them by commission, you know, because like capitalism, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> capitalism's great. Yeah. Who who's gonna win this one? I picked the Celtics. Um, I think they're the best team in the league. They've held Giannis in check. I know Giannis is like traditional box score stat line looks good. He's averaging 32 points, 13 rebounds, eight assists, but the efficiency isn't there. Um, he's got 18 turnovers over those four games. Like they're doing what I thought they would do. They're he's going to get his numbers, but they're going to make him work. And when Giannis's efficiency isn't there, like he's obviously a great player, but it's just not quite the same thing yeah no exactly like the, like the real thing with that makes Giannis special is that overwhelming dominance like you literally can't stop him like he's just going to dunk it you know it hasn't looked that way man I was I was thinking about how when a player or team is he really hits a certain level of greatness right you start to see opposing teams that look designed to beat them I don't know if the Celtics were like I was thinking about the Rockets as I'm as I'm known to do, and how the uh 2017-18 Rockets were like kind of really specifically built to beat the Warriors, you know, which they obviously would have. There's no debating it, if not for Chris Paul's hamstring, but that's a joke. But you know, like like they because that team was so dominant on the perimeter, the Rockets said, Okay, well, we're gonna stack up on perimeter defenders. And I, I think there might be a similar dynamic with the Celtics and Bucks, right? I think the Celtics may have said, Okay, how do you stop Giannis? You make sure that you have two rim protectors on the floor at all times and at least one of them can also defend in space and then that's what they're doing and it's working and it seems to be really, really frustrating him yeah and also their perimeter guys they're like one of the few teams with yeah perimeter defenders that like if they're on Giannis, you're not like yeah we got this but you're also not like oh fuck god damn yeah, oh no exactly uh uh yeah police like you know and like it, smart obviously can't handle him man to man but he he is useful in terms of like forcing turnovers and like 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 uh trapping and weak side help and stuff you know yeah and honestly at the end of the day it's like not having chris middleton is fucking gonna be the difference because also a huge factor yeah he's he's the guy that like he takes some attention away from Giannis, and if you give Giannis too much attention he'll like you know it's it's not just three-point shooting it's like against a team as good as the celtics like you kind of just need a dude where like the 
they can play great defense and there's like three set five seconds left on the shot clock and they get it they do a pump dribble into a long two and they hit it and yeah, you're bailout like, awesome. yeah it's yeah. like we forced a bad shot and it didn't fucking matter we played like 20 seconds of great defense and it's just they don't have that right now yeah. and it's, it's i'm not a big psychology person when it comes to sports but like not having that like those i don't know what it is like five possessions of the game where you get that are just they give you i think at least a pseudo feeling where it's like fuck like we can get we can get buckets even if they're playing great defense and right now it's like we can only get buckets if Giannis is doing crazy shit and, or we're ki- he's kicking it out to an open shooter um yeah and, I, know, I i got the Celtics too uh, you know now i will say this the bucks are shooting under 30% from 3 so i feel like this series could turn on a head very quickly if they get hot but I, I would attribute that partly to how strong Boston's defense is, right? Of course, you know, they can't hold them to under 30, but like yeah. they can continue to contain them though. Yeah. Um, I guess the final thing is how much money is Grant Williams about to get paid? Because he's Pretty another Gian, he's another Giannis stopper. Uh, I don't know what, tw- fu- 12 to 15? Man, dude, you know how this shit happens. Like, dude plays well in the playoffs, and suddenly the price tag goes up ten million, and like they sign a deal with some shitty team where they're not in a role that's tailored to them because you know there's oh, not other yeah. good players around. And that—that's my theory. That's my theory. He's gonna like end up on like the fucking Pistons, and they're gonna be like, "Yeah, we have him, Jeremy Grant, and Cade Cunningham." And you're like, "God, that was such a dumb contract." A year later, it's like, "Yeah, no shit." Like he's he's great when he's on Boston because. It's like the perfect role for him. He's a good, he is a good role player though. But yeah, Excellent I know. The other thing player. is like, he's had, he's had nights where like, he just splashed in three after three after three. And it's like, he's just hot on a big stage. So it's like, it looks amazing, but like, he's not, I don't think he's going to be one of the best three point shooters in the league or anything moving forward, you know? Yeah. He, he, he looks to me like if Taylor Horton, he's look, he's basically what the Lakers thought Taylor Horton Tucker was. <laughs> yeah. He sure isn't. Anyway, let's get it going with the last series, hey? All right, the final series, the one series that is knotted at 2-2. It's 3-1 in favor of the Golden State Warriors over the Memphis Grizzlies. I just want to say this. The Grizzlies straight up fucked up in game four. Real, real, real fucking hard. They lost a game. And I don't even know if this is, like, fucking possible. They lost a game in which Golden State shot under 25% from three, and they started the game like two of 20, and they lost that game. Like, when a team – I don't give a fuck if John Morant's not there. This team's shown that they can win without John Morant, right? Like, if a team like the Warriors, who are so dependent on sh- hitting threes, give you a game where they fucking don't even hit a quarter of them, you got to win that game. Like, I'm sorry, you got to win that game. Yeah, this series was always kind of the easiest to predict, though, right? Like, that, that to me says that the Grizzlies, like, they're just not ready to beat the Warriors in a playoff series. You know, they can't capitalize on, on, on that kind of a situation. And that's fine. They're a young team, man. They really, they're so far ahead of schedule in terms of, of, of like, their rebuilding uh, trajectory that, like, this series, is, it's already been a successful season for them. It's already been a great season for them. So but it's big, over. Their big issue is they didn't play Steven Adams enough. 27 minutes plus 13 best on the team look i like i, I was telling I, I wrote this article 
as a joke, but it's for real. Steven Adams is like the Grizzlies MVP, six offensive rebounds. Yeah. I think there were a couple of games where he kind of got played off the floor though. And, and they realized that they, that they were just better off uh, drawing fucking Draymond away from the paint with, with triple J shooting. I think so, man. I think Dude, so. Triple J, triple J doesn't shoot. He was 0 for seven. Triple J hasn't been able to hit a three pointer for the last like, in like three years. It's been three years since he's hit a, not hit a three pointer, but three years since he's like hit three pointers. And yeah, but he's a rate. willing shooter. Like he's just the defender is still literally out there. I know, but man, we, we we like look like we want everyone to be a floor spacer, but at a certain point they'll just like. Giannis is a willing three-point shooter, and it's a problem sometimes where you're like, Giannis, like, what are you doing? Like, that's not going in. No, will... but it's still, there's a difference between three a game and zero a game, you know? It's true. The end of that game, the shit the Grizzlies did, that game was close. Like, you know, the, what they did at the end of that game was just so fucking stupid. They, like, drew up a play for Triple J to take a contested three. I'm sorry, I don't give a fuck. Desmond Bain, like, could be a yeah. w, double amputee. He, <laughs> like, like, but, like, even, even give it to anyone else. Fuck, I would even rather have Dylan Brooks, who literally looked like he was playing for the Golden State Warriors at times, going 5-19 that game four. I mean, like, that ser- the series was over right there, and they just, like, he, ah, those plays. It's like, guys, just try yeah, to get it to the guy. Coach, could, young players. You know, and they're up against the Warriors who've seen it all a million times. Like, they're going to make mistakes, and, and then they never had a chance. They had a – that's the thing, though. They had a chance. This series should be 2-2. It should. The and they should be should be 2-2, and they should be getting John Morant back. And I know people will make the excuse about the Morant injury fucking everything up, but, like, at the end of the day, they got the exact game you need when you're missing your best player. And they yeah. – and they – fucked it all up they just pissed it all away it was it was just it was so sad now i guess the the final question is we're picking golden state can can they take care of it in five six seven like what are we expecting because i feel like this is going to be six games i just I, I, think, I think five actually to be honest you think this was just so deflating Yes, so deflating. Exactly. I know it's again, it's like psychology, but I just feel like if, if, if the Grizzlies probably like I, I feel like every Grizzly deep in their heart knows that they're not going to win the series. And so partly it's like, why don't we just go home? You know, like even though nobody would like to admit that or have that conscious thought, like in the back of their mind, it's like we're done here. I don't know. This is my th- thought. John Morant's been the leading scorer of each of, of every game he's played in. I think if he comes back and he's like, you know, norm, like what he was before, you know, whatever that knee thing was, I think they get that game five and then they lose game six um, because that'll be at home for the Warriors. And it's just, I think it'd be too much to ask for them to win two straight games um, in a three, one hole. And also just, I think possible. Yeah. I feel bad because I really wanted this series to go seven and like it should have, but it's just, man, it's just the Grizzlies. They fuck. I feel so bad. They played really well. Those first three, those first two games, they got killed game three, but game three, it was just, they were unconscious um, golden state and that game four, they got the exact game they needed. And it just, when you don't capitalize on those, like maybe that's the young team, maybe that's just like luck, 
and we make it out to being something a bit more. Also true, yeah. It's just it's the it's the outcome you would have expected, right? It's like young team drops the ball, but that could be coincidence. Correlation is not causation. Yeah, I mean, all they like they shot under thirty percent too from three point range. If like they shot like thirty one or thirty two percent, it's still a shitty shooting night, but they would have won that game. Yeah, that's right. Um, okay, that's it. Um, I guess the final thing before we leave, who are you feeling is going to win the championship this year? I, I think probably the Boston Celtics, which I feel like is what you're going to say too. I, you know, again, we think it's the finals. And so I, I if not the Celtics, the Bucks. like I, I basically just an Eastern conference team that wears green is what I would expect. <laughs> Great pick. I actually think the Warriors are going to win it. And I oh, do, do think, you? I think the Celtics are the best team. I think the Bucks are the next best team. But I think the Warriors are going to be the, the team that ends this series the soonest, which yeah. gives them the best chance to, one, be healthy, and two, do well in the, the, the conference finals. And I think that will just give them an edge because, like, the Celtics, like, Time Lord missed a game with the knee problem. And I, I remember when they were talking about him coming back from the meniscus injury. Like, one of the things is, like, I just don't want him to come back too soon because you know this is a knee thing and he had to miss a game because there's like swelling and they want to manage it and they say well we knew this might happen and i'm just like fuck that's not like no like we knew this might happen yeah like you know we knew one of our players might get hit by a car leaving the arena right like you know all sorts of possibilities it's not when you want um and then you know if chris middleton you know maybe he comes back we'll see how good he is and then the Suns, i don't trust them I don't trust the Suns either. Yeah, no. There's I, just something about him I don't trust. And I, I is it just because Chris Paul is Chris Paul? Maybe, maybe. I mean, you know, it's not like he has injury problems. That's not a fake thing. You know, that like like it's, it's 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 pretty likely that he's gonna fucking tear his goddamn hamstring and ruin everybody's hopes and dreams. You know, <laughs> everyone everyone's hopes and dreams were everyone. attached to that hamstring. Okay, well. I can't believe I just picked the Warriors. I mean, they're probably not going to win it. I'm going to look stupid when no, uh, they blow. It's, it's, a, it's a fine choice. I think they'll I go to the just finals. jinxed them. I just jinxed them. They're about to blow a 3-1 lead again. <laughs> again. Um, John Morant's about to take over the league. Okay. <laughs> That's it. That's it. This is episode 20 of Above the Break. This is Nevin Brown. As always, I'm joined by... Tonight, Twain. Yes. Canada's third most famous singer, right? Songstress, at least, yeah. Seamstress. Um, definitely third most famous seamstress. Maybe even most famous seamstress, if that's what she does. Um, uh, as always, thanks for listening. Um, remember to like, subscribe, rate, review, check out our YouTube channel. Um, I'll try to get some videos up there for the, the mailbag questions um, and all that good stuff. Um, maybe a little bit of the Jokic reaction because there are Jokic stands out there. Um, not as many, apparently, as Embiid stands. Um, Embiidistan versus Jokic stand would be the <laughs> ultimate. Like yeah, no, it would be the ultimate Central Asian um, battle um, for the supremacy over mineral rich desert area. Anyways. Okay. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll be back next week. And as always, peace. Peace.